Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Should student-athletes get paid? California State Assemblyman Steve Bradford is trying to make it happen. And he joins us to talk about it on This Lady Loves Sports. Let's go! Welcome to This Lady Loves Sports Podcast with Pat Prescott. Sports. She knows it all and is here to talk about it. So get ready to hear sports talk in a way that you've never heard before. It's This Lady Loves Sports Podcast. And here's your host, Pat Prescott. Welcome to a new edition of This Lady Loves Sports. And This Lady Loves People Who Get Things Done, too. My name is Pat Prescott, and joining me in the studio for this episode is a gentleman who had a vision, along with uh, another young lady who had a vision. I'm talking about California State Senator Nancy Skinner, together with our own California State Senator Steve Bradford from Gardena. Uh, they got together and wrote Senate Bill 206, which has been passed. It is now known as the Fair Pay to Play Act, and it is making some noise in the world of sports and uh, legislation as well. And Steve, so proud to of, of your accomplishment and happy to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Now, is this the biggest thing that, that's happened, the biggest, uh, you know, because when you're a politician, especially in these days and times, uh, I think it's probably got to be a nice thrill to actually be able to get something accomplished. Without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and outside of, you know, the craziness that we're dealing with in Washington, yes, it's good to demonstrate to people that we are working, that there are laws that are being passed, and and we're trying to serve the people of California as well as the uh, United States. Yeah, well, t- tell us how you and Senator Skinner, you know, first got together and, you know, what was the genesis of this whole thing happening? Well, it's been a long go- ongoing discussion regarding reform to the NCA. NC2A. As we all know, they've been kind of like a their own little fiefdom for over 50-something years of how they control athletes' lives. I mean, the whole term student-athlete was developed in the late 50s to prevent universities from obligating uh, or taking care of uh, medical injuries and uh, ongoing treatment for athletes that were injured while playing. So they have found a way forever to try to like limit the uh, athlete's ability to monetize, to be made whole. So this is a discussion that just didn't start this year. Harry Edwards, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they were talking about it 20 years ago. So we were just happy to pick it up because I've coached sports for uh, 16 years and we hear about all the challenges of just going to college. But being on the scholarship doesn't cover all your costs as well. And and some of your personal experience, you know, as you allude to right there is, is part of why you're so passionate about mm-hmm. this. Yes, without a doubt. I mean, I've gone to school with athletes on scholarship. I've coached kids have gone on to play uh, college sports on scholarship. And again, the scholarship in itself doesn't cover 
everything that, you know, uh, that's involved with going to school. And a scholarship athlete is the only student on a college campus that can't monetize their name, likeness, and image. You can be on a scholarship and play in the band, and you can write a song. You can be on scholarship and be a computer programmer and develop an app. You can monetize that app. But if you're an athlete, say a swimmer, you can't uh, give swimming lessons. You can't teach football or tennis or whatever that is if you're on scholarship. And we just say that was totally unfair and it's time to change. Yeah. What were people like really receptive to this whole idea when you all first started talking about it? Yes and no. I mean, you had a lot of former athletes that totally were on board to say how important this was and how bad it's been needed. Uh, You had some, a lot of institutions that said, no, we don't want to move in this direction. It's going to turn these athletes into professionals. Far from it. Uh, We were just seeing allow that athlete to control their name, likeness, and image. So again, NC2A was totally against it. And uh, again, a lot of our college presidents and uh, athletic directors uh, were pushing back. But we heard enough from former athletes, current athletes on how important this was. So... uh, kind of all came together. Uh, it wasn't easy, but we got it done. Yeah, and it happened, of course, here in California, where California has a tendency, uh, or, or or at least a little reputation for, we're going to kind of do whatever we want to do. It doesn't really matter what the rest of the country thinks, but I, I was kind of um, surprised and encouraged to see some of the response from other states around the country. Uh, shortly after our bill passed in September, uh, it was about 12 other states indicated they were going to introduce similar legislation in their next legislative year. Uh, you also had coaches like Coach K out of Duke who clearly said this is a uh, measure that's times long overdue. I'm glad that they uh, passed it and here in California. You have people like Michael Jordan that said, yes, it, it's about time. So I think the NC2A felt the pressure and they saw that ripple turning into a tidal wave and they got in front of it a couple of weeks ago and agreed in principle to support a fair pay to play act. And what, what do you think that will look like after the NCAA puts their stamp on it uh, or puts their, their thoughts into that whole process? We're, we're watching it closely because we clearly know already that the NC2A doesn't want to go as far as the California measure has gone and truly allowing these athletes to control their name, likeness, and image. They were talking about putting something aside and a, a revenue account or some... Uh, uh, so they could access it after college and things of that nature and limiting that which they could do in order to monetize their name, likeness, and image. We said treat that student, that athlete, as any other student and let them have control. Let them hire an agent. Let them hire a lawyer uh, to negotiate these deals. Don't let them go in there blind. But at the same time, we want to make clear, this is not for kids to get rich. This is by no means trying to turn an amateur athlete into a professional. We're just seeing if there is a local car dealership where this kid grew up and he could be playing for or she could be playing for a division two school in the middle of nowhere but he's a hometown or she's a hometown hero and they want to put that picture up in the dealership and pay this kid a thousand dollars a month let that happen exactly or if you know and i think this is the thing the devil is going to be in the details because it really needs to answer i think the concerns on both sides because the simple way to make sure that this doesn't become what you don't want it to be is to say for example if a student can get a car as a gift from whoever whether it's a family member because people have been penalized Mm -hmm. even for that kind of thing your Mm -hmm. uncle gave you a car you Mm -hmm. can't do that you know um just have a limit on it it can't be a value of 
more than five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That way, it won't be a Lamborghini mm-hmm. or <laughs> or yeah. something which clearly is is almost bribery. You know, for come either let me manage you or let me mm-hmm. be involved in some way financially in your mm-hmm. career later on. And we want to also stress that this is not just the financial incentive. This hopefully is the incentive to incentivize kids to stay in school longer because if they're not being enticed by the professional, you know, opportunities, they will say, hey, I don't need this monetary gain immediately. I will stay in school. And hopefully that will increase graduation rates, especially for uh, black and brown students. So. Yeah. And, and as we all know, most students who are playing uh, college athletics are not going to be doing that later on. Uh, less than <laughs> 5% a, ever make pro. Such a small, small number. But mm-hmm. boy, some of the numbers that you look at when you look at why even talking about this issue is, is so important. You know, you think about just how many coaches there are who are making huge, huge salaries. I know you looked at a lot of those kind of figures as you were as you were checking this whole bill out. You, uh, most all Division One coaches, whether it's basketball or football, are millionaires. They have endorsement deals for either shoes, jerseys, whatever on the side. They have their own uh, sports talk shows. Uh, they have access to memberships in the most exclusive country clubs. They have access to uh, boosters, leaders, jets but the same kids you go across the country to recruit cannot get on that plane and fly back home on a holiday or fly his parents to a game but these coaches have access to all that and it's dangled right in front of these kids face but it's only possible because of the the recruits that they're bringing to this college that brings value to the coach so they should be willing to share this uh Opportunity. Yeah, the whole thing is really built upon their backs. I mean, these mm-hmm. the talents of these young players is what is funding the rebuilding of all these stadiums and these incredible professional style mm-hmm. facilities that a lot of the the big colleges with big programs have. A, a lot of the major sports are paying for all the rest of the sports at the school. Mm-hmm. But you know, one thing I don't hear a lot of talk about, and something I hope that as you all start to talk about the details of how this agreement is going to work with the NCAA, I hope that part of it would be some kind of financial literacy. I mean, I think it's so important, uh, whatever you're going to do, there's just not enough of that in the schools. But you're talking about people who are potentially going to go on and make incredibly large amounts of money, who have no knowledge whatsoever of how to manage money and mm-hmm. how to deal with a lot of things, how to choose agents and and they're being preyed on by a whole lot of people which is one of the concerns of people who are against having them get paid in this way and, and that's a legitimate concern but as we see as soon as a kid signs a professional contract many of these kids who've come out of ha- households that collectively didn't make more than 100 grand and now you're giving some kid five million dollars a year We've been arguing for years that some part of financial literacy should be a part of that, maybe an annuity that you come from a household that only made a hundred grand a year. Now we're going to put you on a budget of a half a million dollars a year, despite making five million. You're going to live a great life on a half a million dollars a year. But some of these kids go out and spend a million dollars as soon as they sign on jury. Which makes absolutely no sense. That's why before they get it, why not take them then while you still have a captive audience? They're still in school. I mean, they should be, in my opinion, learning this kind of stuff in high school, even middle school before that. Uh, just, to, you know, kids don't even seem to understand where money comes from and how much things cost and all of that, you know. Financial literacy should be a part of our education uh, program, as you stated, from yeah. K through 12. I mean, it shouldn't be something that you just experience when you get to college. So. Yeah, but this is one of the things that, you know, you've got to really deal with uh, when you 
dude looking at athletics. And then the other thing, too, is all of this, um, especially with football in particular, uh, the, the whole concussion mm-hmm. issue and the fact that these people are essentially really giving their lives to sport, you know, is what it comes out to be. I mean, we could get into a whole nother discussion, mm-hmm. you know, about the whole concussion issue, but there's certainly enough evidence to know that there is definitely some there there. It's know. it's long-term, you know, effects of playing almost all sports, uh, from knees to elbows, like you say, to the concussions. And once a kid is done... Very, there's very little recourse they have for ongoing medical treatment, you know, um, if you need additional surgeries or things of that nature. So this kind of like, again, it creates a little safety net for the student because, again, the majority of these kids, as we stated, will not play professional sports. And even those who go on to play professional sports are only going to play on the average of three and a half to five years. So I think it's critically important that while these kids are in their prime, and that's usually through college, that we kind of create a safety net for them. Again, a, a some kind of fallback. Again, not guaranteeing millions of dollars, but something that allows them to pay for more than tuition, books, I mean, and boarding. I mean, sometimes you have a lab that requires a computer. We know where athletes couldn't afford a computer, so let them earn some money to get a computer. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's the issue of fairness exactly. also. You think about that. You know, a student who gets an academic scholarship, like so many of us did, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I was going off to college, you know, we were able to get a part-time job doing something mm-hmm. else so we could earn some other money on the side, mm-hmm. you know, to supplement what you would get from your scholarship because you always needed more to supplement mm-hmm. your actual life. And, I mean, <laughs> God forbid, you should want to have fun, go to a movie or something like that. But, you know, if you're a student athlete and you're getting an athletic scholarship you're not allowed to work you cannot get a job you've got the same needs as these other students Mm -hmm. and really a lot less time than the other students have because you've got school and you've got practices as well sports almost becomes a full-time job when you talk to a lot of these athletes on average it's six to eight hours a day involving practice prep Mm -hmm. all that so yeah it leaves very little time to study leaves surely very little time for a side job even if you could get a side job and uh again very little time for personal life yeah so. if, you, if you're one of these really big programs you know then you're looking at a lot of travel mm-hmm. you're looking at promotional stuff that you have to do uh it's it's it, it it just encompasses your whole life and of course now for for most of these players this is what they've always dreamed of mm-hmm. anyway so they're kind of living the dream but they're kids and i think we forget that sometimes that they are young very Mm -hmm. inexperienced and as you mentioned before sometimes people who are walking from one world into another completely radically different world Mm -hmm. we also want to stress here that we constantly talk about the male athlete but this is going to tremendously assist female athletes oh no question because as we all know there's very little professional opportunities for women in sports so again uh, caitlin ayashi from ucla is a prime example when she was scoring all those perfect tens, she says, had I been able to hire an agent, hire uh, representation, I could have monetized that period, that 15 minutes of fame that she had. The day she graduated, her interest dropped off over 30% of people who want to talk to her. She had tons of followers on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever the case may be. And she says, as soon as the day she 
graduated from school, her interest dropped off. There in her dropped yeah. off tremendously. Hey, well, we're going to see. I, I believe a, a huge ripple effect for for Senate Bill two hundred six in a lot of different areas. And and to me, these are some of the things that that you guys have to be thinking about mm-hmm. as you get into these negotiations with them. You know, what about uh, parity in wages? You know, for for women and men. I think they should be getting the same thing. Mm-hmm. This would be a great place to start a precedent like that. Come on. Without a doubt. Without <laughs> there would be nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the on the show, I always do like to talk about, in addition to whatever uh, topic of, of great interest that we have going on at the moment, talk about your personal sports love story. And I know you're a big sports fan, and I know that being here in uh, Southern California right now, these are some heady times. Mm-hmm. I'm deeply involved in both the football and the uh, basketball aspect because – uh, the football stadium is being built right in Inglewood, where yes. my district offices. I can look out my window every day and just watch the construction and watch the crane. And so it's fascinating to see that being from a hole in the ground to what it's turning into be. But also, we're in a current fight just a mile down the street to build a new Clipper Arena. Right. I, too, was the co-author of uh, AB987, uh, which allows us to move forward and build a Clipper Arena at the corner of uh, Century and Prairie, but we're running into a lot of opposition. Oh, for- let's talk about some of that. Well, as much as you can. I'm yeah. sure if you're in the course of, of negotiating this. Talk about where we stand right now with the football stadium and with the proposed Clipper Arena, which I, I thought was a, a done deal. I well, thought that was a thing that was going to happen for the sure. football stadium scheduled to open next year mm-hmm. in the 2021 season so we're that's on track to happen so we're excited about that but the basketball arena we're, so when you say next year you're talking about september of 2020 mm-hmm. so the 2020 21 mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. yes okay yeah and right. we passed legislation last year to build a new clipper arena it's not set to open to 2024 uh-huh. but we've had some environmental challenges and uh, uh, environmental impact reports that we had to meet some deadlines. We stated that the environmental review on this project needed to be completed in 120 days. We're almost approaching 300 days. And we're asking the question at CARB, California Air Resources Board, why is it taking you longer to approve a project here in Inglewood than it did in Oakland for the new uh, A's Stadium, the new Chase Arena where the Warriors are playing, the new Kings Arena in Sacramento, which is right down the street from the Capitol. All of those projects got done within a short truncated period of time so that developers could monetize their money and build this arena without so so you're implying that 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 there's a reason that somebody's just not ha- taking care of something uh, and we're saying there's as some quickly, implicit bi- as expediently as they could there's some implicit biases that are going on right now mm-hmm. that's far different from all these other communities because this is something that's a standard kind of study that that shouldn't this is not a reasonable amount of time for this to take no we mm-hmm. it's it's a truncated process usually if you allow the, the environmental projects on its own it could be three years, and not many developers are going to say, I'm going to wait for three years for my project right, to be approved. Right, right. So that's part of the legislation was saying, we do it in a truncated manner. Because yeah, everybody would agree that this is an important thing to have done, an environmental study. Without but it should be done with expediency, or it's certainly in as as fast as it usually is done. Well, right? it shouldn't be weaponized. And right now, we're using environmental standards to weaponize and punish certain communities. And, and we're... 
I, we always say we hate to play race car, but why are you treating Inglewood any different than when you treated the Oakland techs? You know, it's tech sector of Oakland, Sacramento, and we're saying there's a, a stark difference of what those population makeups in those communities are. So uh, race is the only conclusion we can come to sometimes. Wow, because, you know, it's interesting. It's already happening, so it's not like it's something that can be stopped exactly. <laughs> at this point. Oh, what's the deal with the football stadium? That Just watching that thing go up has been so very interesting, but a lot of impact on that community. Without a doubt, thousands of jobs, a lot of local hires. I think it has a 33, 34% local hire uh, criteria, and it's met that. Uh, it's like a little city. If you drive by there at any time, it's 24 hours a day. It's thousands of people on site, uh, uh, getting this uh, stadium built. It's going to be the most state-of-the-art stadium in the country, it if not the world. It's going to be beautiful. It's going it to be amazing. Is. But also, people fail to understand, it's a, almost a 300-acre campus. So just it's going to be more than just the football stadium. There's going to be a hotel. There's going to be uh, single-family residential housing. Just like with Staples Center. Exactly. I mean, you, it becomes a complex exactly. in, in and of itself. And how interesting is this whole competition now going to be between the Inglewood Stadium, which now you, with the Staples Center, what, celebrating their 20th anniversary? Mm-hmm. That You know what that means? Staples Center is old. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that is so and true. And is, is lacking a lot of the tech. See, because technology is one of the things. Do you, are you aware of some of the things that they're going to have in the new stadium? Because I heard there's a lot of tech in there. Oh, it's going to be a state of art as far as screens. You're going to be able to open up the roof. It's going to be, I mean, just amazing. <laughs> you're going to you, you can convert it to kind of a convention facility as well. So it's going to be more than just sports there. But also, again, just to piggyback, even the arena that we are hoping to build for the Clippers, it's going to be a state-of-the-art uh, event as well with a community center, um, uh, public health facility. I mean, it's going to be interactive with the community, something that's vitally uh, needed in that area. So, Yeah, and it all kind of, really, if you think about it, it started with sports because with the with the Great Western Forum, mm-hmm. you know, being that, that, you know, that's like the Madison Square Garden of the West Coast, mm-hmm. you know. In that era, did you hang out at the Forum? Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. the Forum Club oh, and all I, of that? I and, lived at the Forum yeah, Club. That, those are some heady days, huh? <laughs> there were. I mean, you used to hang out with Mike McGee, Daryl Strawberry, all those guys would be at the games all the time after Mike McGee stopped playing. Magic used to come in after the game. So, no, the Forum Club was the place you wanted to be. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the 80s and the, the early 90s, you want to be at the Forum Club. And you also got a chance to see the, the whole transition from that those Laker teams to the Staples Center Lakers mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sports has always been a huge part of this city. Without a doubt. Um, I was elected to the legislature, uh, well, no, I was city council when um, uh, the Lakers left and went downtown to the Staples Center. And, and what was that like? I, I, I remember kind of like the big sucking sound out of Inglewood. I mean, because I had friends on the council and the mayor, and they were like, it was a tremendous impact when they left to go downtown to the Staples Center. Uh, you know, you had been known as the city of champions. You were the home of the Lakers and the Kings. And to lose that, that was a major impact to that city. And now here's a, ch- a chance to have major revitalization. So we're excited about 
bringing it back to the city of champions. So this is a kind of na 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 rebirth. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. boy, how interesting is this uh, whole matchup between these two LA teams? I mean, how long has it been since LA had two good basketball, basketball teams team. at the same time? That's true. Kawhi Leonard, P- Paul George. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And you have Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron on the Lakers. I mean, no, it's you have stellar uh, players on both uh, teams. Yeah, it's some good people mm-hmm. there. You know, mm-hmm. barring injuries, it yeah, should be exactly. interesting competition. But but interesting too how the season started out. You know, with that Laker lost and lo- lost, and a lot of people like, oh, the Lakers are trash. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, they look like they're doing pretty well so far since then. They're holding then. their own. Yeah. <laughs> They're holding their own. I can't wait to see them play again. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Now, do you feel like you have to choose between the teams? Uh... I'm, and you're a politician too, so no, you know. I'm a you, public servant that yeah. happens to be elected. I'm sorry, you're. Oh, excuse me. Let me get my verbiage right. <laughs> you're a public servant who happens to be elected. I got to write that down because I'll never remember that. I, later. I, I, I tell folks, it's politics in the church house on Sundays. So, uh, uh, but uh, but no, seriously, I, as a politician, though, you have to. A lot of times, you can't take sides on stuff well, like that. Yeah, that's true, but you 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 do have your favorites, and uh, I'm I'm rooting for both of them to be very successful. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just going to say, if, it, it's a, if it's about a change of the guard, I, I love to see Clippers have their day in the sunlight. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they've had good teams over the years, but have, haven't been able to get over the hump. I think yeah. it only adds to Inglewood, L.A., you know, lore. If both teams, you have championships from uh, multiple teams. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I think we can handle that. Yeah. I, I, th- think I, th- th- I think it's going to be interesting. This is going to make... Um, uh, this is going to make Trojans Bruins look like, you know, high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and you talk about a, a, a stadium remake. I was just over at the Coliseum. You know, they did major re- renovations. Yeah, that's incredible over there. It's incredible. I mean, I, I'm blown away with how they've converted a, a arena that's close to 90 years old into something new and, <laughs> and, and modern. So hats off to the Coliseum Commission as well as... Uh, the Trojans as well. Yeah, well, it's kind of awesome, and it, it is always uh, good to talk to somebody who has lived in for their whole life and and loved the city of Los Angeles and the city of Gardena and the city of Inglewood and all the great places mm-hmm. that you've lived and uh, been able to represent. and And always good to talk to my good friend. And Steve uh, is a public servant who happens to be elected. I like that. I'm going to use that. Please do. Steve Bradford with us today, California State Senator and proud co-author of Senate Bill 206. Good to have you with us on This Lady Loves Sports. Thank you, Pat. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.